0: Well today, as you know, this is Maundy Thursday, and obviously the church's marketing department didn't run that name through a focus group process. It's an unusual name. You've probably heard someone call it Monday Thursday because it sounds like Monday, Monday Thursday. It's an old name for this day. It comes from a Latin word mandatum, which means a commandment. We get the word mandate from it in English. We might as well call it Commandment Thursday. And that name comes from verse 34 and 35, which you heard Father Alex read earlier if you were outside. Jesus tells his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple, if you have love for one another. And Maundy Thursday marks the day that Jesus gave us this new commandment It comes on the same day that uh, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, the communion service, which we'll be celebrating later this evening. And of course, as St. Paul reminds us in the epistle reading, it's also the night on which he was betrayed. And this year, Maundy Thursday comes to us on April 1st, April Fool's Day. And you know how an April Fool's Day prank works. You have to have a part of the prank that's true, or at least is reasonable. Part of the prank has to make sense. And another part of the prank has to be false, or at least inaccurate. Part of the prank is true, and it makes sense, and part of it is inaccurate. And I suggest that there's a way to view our gospel reading tonight in a way that is true, but inaccurate. Now the story itself is true and accurate, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but there's a way of thinking about this story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet that shows us something that is indeed true, but is inaccurate. We can find ourselves drawing a conclusion which is true and reasonable and which makes sense, but which is, not, but is inaccurate and is not what the story is conveying to us. The story is probably familiar to most of us. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his feet. And I know you know, he washed the disciples' feet. And we can see here some things that are true. In spite of his deity, he will take on the lowliest of tasks to serve his disciples. Despite the fact of who he is, he humbles himself to show his love for his disciples. In spite of the fact that his father had given all things into his hands, despite the fact that he would come from God and was returning to God, In his humility, he strips his outer clothing. He takes a towel, kneels, and washes his disciples' feet as a way of demonstrating his love for his disciples. And now this is all undoubtedly true. Not only is it true, but it's biblical. The Apostle Paul writes about Jesus in Philippians this way, and Father Alex alluded to this passage just a few minutes ago. So it's undoubtedly true here that Jesus, in spite of who he is, despite being God incarnate, becomes a servant, humbles himself to show love for his disciples. That's a conclusion which is undeniably true, but it's not quite accurate. You see, Jesus does not love his disciples in spite of who he is. Jesus loves his disciples because of who he is. And close attention to the text draws us to this very conclusion. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and washes his disciples' feet. Knowing that he had come from God, he rises and washes their feet. the English Standard Version, we read this earlier. The New International Version makes it a little more clearly Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. What I said earlier, in fact, it's true, but it's not accurate. Earlier I said that in spite of the fact that his Father had given all things into his hands, despite the fact that he had come from God and was returning to God, He washes his disciples' feet as a way of communicating his love for them, demonstrating his love for them. But John tells us something very different. John tells us that it's because of the fact that his father had given all things into his hands, because of the fact that he had come from God and was returning to God, he washes his disciples' feet as a way of demonstrating his love for his disciples. You see, Jesus must love his disciples because of his very nature, not despite it. As Christians reaffirm that God is love, not merely that God is loving, but that God is love. Now to say that God is love does not mean that love is God. One basic rule of logic is that that word is doesn't always mean an equal sign. To say that God is love is not to say that love is God. God is not equal to love and love is not equal to God. We don't exhaust the meaning of what God is by saying that God is love. God is not only love, but God is also justice, God is also holiness, God is mercy. And of course all these things come together on Good Friday. But among his many attributes, God is love. And that means to us as Christians that in the Trinity, we find a loving community. A community of creative love that envisioned humanity as a participant in that loving community. God is love. And to say that God is love, that it's a part of his very nature to be love. Well, God must have something to love. And we believe that God is a trinity, a community of love. And that means that what is fundamentally and ultimately real about existence itself is that it's personal. And not only personal, but that ultimately reality is about a community of love. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, knew also that he had to show his disciples how to enter into that community of love And And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, had no better way of demonstrating who he was at this moment as the incarnation of God the Son than to illustrate the loving service of God's very nature by washing his disciples' feet You know, Jesus had said earlier in John chapter 5, the same gospel, that not only, that, that Jesus only does what he sees the father doing. And there's not a footnote here to the foot washing that says this is an exception to that rule. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. And when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he is doing what he sees his father doing. Jesus is doing what God the Father does. He's washing the dirtiest part of the disciples' body and making them clean because he loves them. And this is what Jesus sees his Father doing. Not in spite of who Jesus is, but because of who he is. And that same theme is captured in the new commandment he gives his disciples. From verse 34 of the same chapter, A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's a story told of the Apostle John, the same John who writes this gospel. Is a story told by St. By Jerome, one of the early fathers of the church, in his commentary on the book of Galatians. He speaks of someone he knows, Jerome speaks of someone, Jerome knows, who knew John when he was the bishop in Ephesus. And he said that Bishop John, the author of our gospel, would come every day to the church meeting, every Sunday to the church meeting, and deliver a sermon. But of course John became very old Soon he could no longer walk through the streets to get to the home where the church group was meeting. And the church group would send out people to carry him, to put him in a chair. You've seen this on in cartoons, to put him on a chair with, with staves and to, and to carry him to church where he would be, still be seated and would deliver the message. But then even that job of sitting in that chair and being carried through the streets became so exhausting. He was exhausted by the time that he reached the church. The last time I told this story, Miss um, Jane Gressley was with us, and um, when I got to that part about being exhausted by having someone else bring you to church, she looked at me and she closed her eyes and she nodded her head. She was in, uh, in her late 90s by that point, just being exhausted just because somebody had brought them to church, and eventually he became so exhausted that he would only, could only sit in the chair. When it came time for the sermon, he would say, little children, love one another. And then wave his hand that the sermon was over. And week by week, he would say, little children, love one another. And then signal that the sermon was over. Well, one Sunday, a disciple of John's who'd been coming every Sunday morning and hearing that sermon, love one another, said, Bishop John, why do you always give us the same sermon? Why do you always tell us the same thing? And Jerome said, John's response was, it is the Lord's command. If this alone is done, it is enough. If this alone is done, love one another, it is enough. Now, is it enough in the sense that it's all Christians are called to do? Of course not but it is enough to show who Jesus is. The true mark of the Christian is not that we worship together. It's not that we care for the needy in our community. It's not that we're faithful in prayer and scripture reading. It's not that we're faithful stewards of our resources, although we're commanded to do all those things and a whole lot more. But Jesus says here, and John will all echo this teaching, that the true mark of the Christian is that the Christian has love for other Christians and that other Christians love that, Christians, that, that Christian love one another. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Not By this will all people know that you are nice. By this will all people know that you are my disciples. Loving each other becomes not just something that is done, but it becomes a part of our very nature. And like Jesus, it's not something we humble ourselves to do. Loving each other is not something we are to do despite who we are, in spite of our exalted position, because of who we have become. Loving each other is not something we do to have good manners or to be nice or to help the needy, but we love each other because of who we have become. That is the goal of our love, is to show who we have become, disciples of Jesus. Loving each other is something we do because of who we have become at the very foundation of our being. Because we've been changed and converted, because we've become like Jesus, we've become disciples of Jesus, and the way people will know this is that we love one another. Why? Because we reflect Jesus. As we follow Christ more closely, humility and servanthood and love are not exercises we do, but they become a part of our very nature as, our, as disciples. In our gospel reading tonight, John is careful to point out that Jesus strips off his outer clothing. He's foreshadowing here, in fact, he's using the same Greek word, which happens tomorrow on Good Friday as Jesus is stripped and nailed to a shameful cross. Later, as our evening progresses, the altar here, this entire area will be stripped, symbolizing to us that if the end of the story is Jesus' death on the cross, then all this... Stuff up here is just stuff. It's all vain and empty and fancy and pretty, and it's all just stuff. If the story is ends on the cross, then life's just as empty as this altar is going to be. But if there is more to the story, if in fact there's more than just a dead guy on a cross, but in fact there's Easter Sunday. And if it's true that Jesus was who he said he was, then we must respond. When we become convinced that Jesus is who he says he was, then we must respond and we respond by becoming disciples of Jesus. And if we're going to become disciples of Jesus, we must obey, not because it's a rule, but because it becomes a part of our nature, we must obey his commandment to love one another. It must become a very part of our nature. In the words of the elderly Apostle John, it is the Lord's command. If this alone be done, it is enough. In Jesus' name, amen.